Hi there and welcome to our Sabbath School lesson podcast. My name is Sharissa and this week we're doing lesson number 11, Backsliding People. The title sounds kind of negative, doesn't it? But there's some good news in this lesson for those who have backslidden. Uh, for backsliding people, God has mercy and grace and he extends a helping hand to us. So that is good news. But uh, as a little bit of background to the lesson study, between chapters 12 and 13, we find that this is obviously between chapters 12 and 13 in the book of Nehemiah, we find that he has returned from Babylon. And while we have no idea how long he's been away, when he returns, he discovers that the people have backslidden. Now, backsliding. Interesting word. It describes an, an insidious process that can happen to anyone in their Christian experience, which is basically why this becomes a very important lesson for us even today. It's not called back jumping or back running or back stepping. It's backsliding. It happens slowly but surely to anyone. It can happen to anyone when we do not faithfully maintain our daily relationship with Jesus. Now we find in Nehemiah chapter 10 that the people had made three covenant promises to God. Number one, they weren't going to intermarry with idolaters. Number two, they committed to faithfully keep and observe the Sabbath. And number three, they made a promise that they would take care of the temple and its personnel by faithfully returning their tithes and offerings. But when Nehemiah comes back, he discovers that they've broken all three of these promises that they had made to God. Their devotion to God was weak. That's why this had happened. The tithes and offerings weren't being returned. We find as, as we begin reading this chapter that even some rooms in the temple were now being used for things that had nothing to do with worship to God. And they were no longer keeping God's Sabbath holy. In fact, they were even intermarrying with the nations around them that cared nothing for God and his uh, the worship of him. But perhaps the most shocking thing for Nehemiah when he comes back is he discovers that this whole process has begun because the leaders he had left behind in charge, they had been some of the biggest contributors to this process. So we see the importance of spiritual leadership uh, and having a leadership that is truly devoted to God in in leading people to be faithful to him now nehemiah could have turned around and said well that's it i give up this is hopeless but instead he does as he has done time and time again he acts for god's glory and we should do the same sunday's lesson it's entitled tainted temple leadership and it explores this dynamic which nehemiah discovers when he comes back notice what it says i've got here my bible nehemiah 13 1 to 3 it says on that day they read from the book of moses in the hearing of the people and in it was found written that no ammonite or moabite should ever come into the assembly of god because they had not met the children of israel with bread and water but hired balaam against them to curse them however our god turned the curse into a blessing so it was when they had heard the law that they separated all the mixed multitude from Israel. So as they hear again the law being read, they hear the book of Moses being read, the first action that is taken is the people separate from amongst the community the idolaters that were in their midst. And then we meet two interesting individuals, Eliashib and Tobiah, that's their names, as we continue reading. Now, who are these individuals? Well, we've met them before. Eliashib, we know as the high priest. And Tobiah is that Ammonite enemy who has passionately opposed all of the good work Nehemiah has been trying to do for God. 
in Jerusalem. Notice what it says in verse 4. It says, Now before this, Eliashib the priest, having authority over the storerooms of the house of our God, was allied with Tobiah. The word allied here suggests that these two had been allied through marriage. Now we don't have their marriage certificates for anyone here in the text, but it's certainly a very interesting uh, thought because we also know that Sanballat, the Horonite, that's Nehemiah's other opponent in the, that we find in the book, he had a daughter who was married to Eliashib's grandson. So Sanballat's daughter is married to the high priest's grandson. And so what we have is a very interesting dynamic in the story. We've got the highest ranking officials in the land, all related and in, a, and in an alliance against Nehemiah's leadership. Now, verse 7 tells us what Eliashib had done for Tobiah. Verse 7 says, And I came to Jerusalem and discovered the evil that Eliashib had done for Tobiah in preparing a room for him in the courts of the house of God. Tobiah has moved into the temple and he's taken a room in the temple which should have been used for a holy purpose, for the work of God. Ah, this whole story just highlights how easily we can be led astray, how easily we can fall away from God if we do not daily maintain our relationship with Jesus. Really, that's the key to avoiding this, these mistakes that the people made. Monday's lesson goes on to talk about the Levites in the field. And I'll just read to you verse 10 of Nehemiah chapter 13. It says, I also realized that the portions for the Levites had not been given them. For each of the Levites and the singers who did the work had gone back to his field. Now this is interesting. The people were neglecting the Levites, so much so that the Levites and the singers, they'd all gone home. It's a lot of work to get the system working that was going in the temple. But now we find when Nehemiah comes home, he comes back, he finds his work all fallen apart. All of this work just fallen apart. Notice his response in verse 11. So I contended with the rulers and said, Why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and set them in their place. Then all Judah brought the tithe of the grain and the new wine and the oil to the storehouse. And I appointed as treasurers over the storehouse Shelemiah the priest and Zadok the scribe. And of the Levites, Pediah and next to them was Hanan the son of Zakur, the son of Mataniah, for they were considered faithful and their task was to distribute to their brethren. Verse, where was it? Uh, verse 12 describes how all of Judah got involved in this process of restoration and supporting the, the, the Levites. Uh, they all come together. And what this tells us is that they could see that what Nehemiah was saying was right. He wasn't working for selfish interest. He wasn't trying to get ahead of anybody. They saw that Nehemiah was doing what he was doing for the honor of God. And I like how Nehemiah acts quickly. He, he sees a problem, he sees an area that needs to be fixed, and he moves quickly in the work of restoration. And he prays a beautiful prayer in verse 14. He says, Remember me, O my God, concerning this, and do not wipe out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God and for its services. 
There's something very human about this prayer in the sense that he's praying for God not to forget him because we as human beings, we are prone to forget things. And so he says, Lord, remember me. <laughs> Don't forget what I have done for your house and for its services. And I guess the question that we could each ponder as we study this lesson is what are some ways that we too may have neglected the house of the Lord even today? That's some food for thought when we have take some time to meditate on it. Tuesday's lesson explores how the children or how the people had been unfaithful in returning their tithes and offerings to God. And I just want to read uh, Malachi 3 verse 10 as we consider this. God said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this says the lord of hosts if i will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it wow this is a beautiful promise that god makes i wanted to read this text because it's a wonderful reminder that tithe is not something we pay to god it's something we returned to God because he already owns it. Without the tithes faithfully being returned by God's people, the temple, the temple personnel just couldn't live. And so they'd gone and sought after other forms of employment. They'd gone back to their fields so they could survive and so they could feed their families. And I guess this also highlights for us how the same is true even today. When we are unfaithful to God in returning uh, our tithes and offerings to Him, it affects the work of God and it slows the work of God. The lesson reminds us that we should give our tithes to God without question because He commands us to do it. If God says it, that's it. He calls us to do it and we should do it because we love Him and also because we trust that He is able to take care of us. Returning our tithes and offerings to God is a form of trust. Wednesday's lesson then talks about how they were breaking the Sabbath. It's called Treading the Winepress on Sabbath. And this lesson is gold. Let me read to you Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 15 and 16. This is what he found. In those days I saw people in Judah treading winepresses on the Sabbath. And bringing in sheaves and loading donkeys with wine, grapes, figs, and all kinds of burdens, which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I warned them about the day on which they were selling provisions. Men of Tyre dwelt there also, who brought in fish and all kinds of goods and sold them on the Sabbath to the children of Judah and in Jerusalem. So Nehemiah comes back and he finds they're all working and selling on the Sabbath. The very things that God said should not be done on his holy day, they were doing. Now, the Sabbath is a beautiful thing. It, it was a temple made in time. It was created as the pinnacle of creation week. And it was special because God desired for it to be a time in which his people could be renewed and recreated by spending time with him in ways which they could not do during their busy weeks as they worked. It has been said, and I really liked this line in the lesson. I'll say it twice. This is what the lesson includes this quote. It says, more than Israel kept the Sabbath, the Sabbath kept Israel. I'll say it again. More than Israel kept the Sabbath, the Sabbath kept Israel. 
I really love that quote because I find it true even today. The Sabbath keeps me. It keeps me focused on Jesus. It keeps me refreshed in my relationship with Jesus as I come and worship him with fellow believers. It's a wonderful, wonderful blessing. Now, I'll let you read for yourself what he goes ahead and does in verses 17 to 22 of Nehemiah chapter 13. But I'll just highlight for you in summary, he gets them to shut the gates at sunset so that the Sabbath hours are protected and the city is closed for business during those sacred hours. And then, it's interesting, he strictly tells them not to work on this day. And notice, I will read this one to you. Notice what he says to the merchants and the sellers who seem to hang around the walls even after the gates have been shut. I'll just read to you what he says. Verse 21, he says, Then I warned them and said to them, that's the merchants and the sellers, Why do you spend the night around the wall? If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. From that time on, they came no more on the Sabbath. And I think if Nehemiah had said the same thing to me, I wouldn't have come. If I was one of the merchants, I wouldn't have come back either. It's quite almost shocking and surprising to read that that's how he was going to get them to keep the Sabbath. But... Look, this highlights some more things for us because our own attitudes towards the Sabbath changes as we grow closer to Jesus. I know for me, when I was little, my parents tried to teach me to keep the Sabbath, teach me to remember the Sabbath, to keep it holy. And sometimes, maybe sometimes the way in which that is communicated can come across a little bit like Nehemiah's heavy handed approach. You know, don't do this or I will do this. But Jesus came. And when Jesus came, he really taught us how to keep the Sabbath. He reminds us in Mark chapter 2, verse 27 and 28, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. And that Jesus, he is Lord of the Sabbath. God designed for the Sabbath to be a delight and to be a blessing. And really, this is a theme that carries on into Thursday's lesson. Did not your fathers do thus? This lesson study reminds us that Sabbath Keeping the way God intended it has often been misunderstood. And, you know, God bless Nehemiah. He had a, a sincere motive in what he was doing. Perhaps he got a little bit carried away in the implementation of what he was trying to achieve. But Jesus reminds us that the Sabbath is to be kept out of love and faithfulness to Jesus. We do need to guard the Sabbath hours. I believe that's something that this lesson is highlighting because the people, they were not guarding them at all. They were buying and selling during those sacred hours. And we don't have to guard them though the way Nehemiah did, but we should guard them and put steps in place where we can say, this is sacred time and I want to keep this time as sacred as it belongs to Jesus. In closing, I just want us to reflect again on how the Sabbath is about preserving life. The Sabbath is about healing and blessing. As we find in the life of Jesus, he healed on the Sabbath. And ultimately, the Sabbath is about our relationship with Jesus. It says that I love him and that he loves me. And that's why he made it. He wanted to set aside some time to spend with us in special relationship. In closing, if you may consider yourself backslidden in some aspect of your spiritual walk with Jesus, there is good news for you today that Jesus reaches out to you in love and wherever we have slipped away from him, 
He can bring us back. He can he can restore your relationship with him if you will just take that first step and say, Lord, help me, help me to come back to you. And I promise you that he will. Let's pray. Our loving Father in heaven, I just thank you for this lesson study. And I thank you for the hope and the mercy and the grace that you extend to backslidden people. All of us have experienced this in our Christian experience. All of us are prone to this and are in danger of backsliding away from you. So, Lord, we pray today that you would help us to daily maintain our relationship with Jesus. And especially, Lord, as we head to the Sabbath in just a few moments, we pray that you would also bless us as we remind ourselves of the wonderful privilege that we have of being called your children of being able to serve a creator God who loves us and wants to recreate us anew in his image day by day. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.